0: Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you're here today. We're glad that you have chosen to worship with us. We want to welcome any guests or visitors that we may have in our midst. We're glad that you're here today. I have a couple of announcements. First of all, these beautiful flowers that are placed in our sanctuary this morning are placed by the Dorothy Edwards Sunday School class in honor of their teacher, Ruth Pace, and in memory of Dorothy Edwards. We are glad that you are here with us today we are glad that you have chosen to worship with boiling springs baptist church and my prayer is that each of us would prepare our hearts for worship this morning
1: well good morning glad you're here this morning this first sunday of july july the second as we begin our service uh this morning i would like to ask uh, you of something or ask something of you excuse me this morning if you are here this morning and have served in any branch of military for any length of time we would like to honor you if you would please do us the honor of standing this morning. In any branch of service, if you have, would you please stand this morning? And let me, let me also add to that, and thank you, let me also add to that, if you are here today and you would like to stand in honor, or if you'd remain standing for just a moment, if you would like to stand in honor or in memory of someone who is not present here today that may be also in your family, would you please do the honor of standing Wow. Please know we are grateful. Not only are we grateful, but your country is grateful for your service. And we are thankful for those present this morning and those that we have stood in honor and in memory of today as well. Let us continue.
2: O oh God, with its fruited plains, its purple mountain's majesty, its red, white, and blue freshness among the nations, its no mountain too high, no river too wide attitude, its brassy congested cities and its lazy, familiar little country towns, its church spires and hospitals, its audacious skyscrapers and sprawling airports, its clanging mills and its computerized technological systems, its entertaining and flashy musicals and its great libraries, its simple folks and its scholars. We treasure its storied past with characters like George and Martha Washington and Daniel Boone and Mark Twain and Teddy Roosevelt, and Susan B. Anthony, and George Washington Carver, and Will Rogers, and Babe Ruth, and Jackie Robinson, and Annie Oakley. We revere its strength and complexity in the world today with its global economic empires, its vast medical systems, its formidable military power, its great research engines, and its incredible think tanks and universities. But we pray for its soul, dear God, that you will guard it against complacency and self-satisfaction, against pride and overconfidence, against disregard for the plight of others, and against indifference to the evil within it. Nurture and care for the good that is in our nation and defend that good against all deterioration. Give strength of heart and mind and soul to our President, our Congress, and other officers of our government. Remind them daily of their responsibility, not only to the people of this nation, but to the people of all nations. And grant, dear God, that our national aim for all the years to come will be to channel your gifts of love and support to all peoples of the world. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Sing praise to God, the maker of heaven and earth. Our Lord for all beings. Sing praise to God, the source of love and truth. Walk in God's ways, the path of freedom and liberty.
3: Walk in God's truth, the ways of honesty and righteousness.
0: <clears throat> Live as God's people, that the stranger may find a warm welcome.
3: Live as God's people, that the downtrodden may find <clears> to
0: <throat> Come, worship God, our Creator and Redeemer. We worship the God of justice and love.
2: Our hymn is number 629, God of our Fathers. 629. Please stand and join me in singing if you are able.
4: invite the children to come down for lesson on the steps how many of you paid attention to the people who stood up just a little while ago when pastor Keith asked for people who had served our country a lot of people weren't there do you know they not only serve us but that they've protected us for many many years Sometimes we sort of forget about them until there's a special occasion and then we think about them again. But you know, those that are here today and those who have gone before us and are in heaven with God, they do a special service for us. They are a little bit like God, a lot like God. They have protected us against people that want to hurt us, not only here, but all around the world. I bet if you'd ask some of those men and women who stood up and ask them where they have been, it wouldn't just be right here at home, it would be around the country. So, today, what I want you to do, not only just today, but especially on Tuesday, what is Tuesday? 4th of July a day we celebrate our independence. And that's important to us. And we see fireworks. And we see fireworks, yes we do. We see fireworks and hear fireworks all night long sometimes. And you know, probably tonight too. I know people who start celebrating with fireworks early. But it's not only just today and tomorrow and Tuesday that I want you to think about it. Because the people that stood up in the church today the people who are standing up around the world on Tuesday, they are like soldiers. They are soldiers that we forget to pray about every day. We need to thank them every day for protecting us, protecting everybody all around the world. So what I want you to do for me today, and especially, yes, ma'am, is there what?
3: Is there still a uh, left. left? Left.
4: Left. I'm not sure. You can look at it, because I'm going to give you one. But you, I want you to take one. Is
3: there soldiers left?
4: Are there soldiers what? Left. Still
3: fighting.
4: Fight. Fight. Yes, they are. There are still people that do that. There are still people who are fighting. For us all around the world, we still have soldiers. We have family here who have parents and sons and daughters who are fighting still around the world doing good. So I want you to take a soldier and I'm going to set this basket up here on the pulpit area. And if people in the church want to take a soldier, this is to remind you not just today and not just on July the 4th, but every day when you say your prayers or even just say, thank you God for the soldiers who are taking care of me today. Can we do that? I know we can, because we're learning every day to thank God for things he gives us. So let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you today for these smiling faces. But more importantly, Lord, thank you for the people who stood in our church. We thank you for what they have done in service. We thank you for the path that they have followed to protect us and the people in our community and in our country. Lord, as we celebrate our independence, we need to remember you, Lord. You are the giver of our life. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Our next hymn is found in your order of service and will also be on the screens. I must confess to you that This Is My Song is one of my favorite hymns and has been for many years. It's not in our hymnal, but I wanted to share it with you this morning. I hope you'll love it as much as I do. It's to the tune of the song that you usually sing, Be Still My Soul. It's the same tune that you sing for that hymn. So if you would, please stand and join me in singing.
0: God, we come to you this morning with much in our minds and in our hearts. God, as we come to this point of our service, our prayer is that we may give back to you with our money and also with our time, our talents, and our gifts. Lord, we are grateful for this church, for the staff, for its people for our leaders. We pray that our church would continue to grow. We pray that we would each do our part to help our church in growing. Lord, may each of us live as people who are called to be the people that you have called us to be. And God, may we each live as people who love you and love others as well. May we glorify and praise your name the rest of this morning and in all of our days. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.
5: Good morning. We'll be reading from Acts this morning. Um, It's Acts, starting in uh, verse 4. Before I get started, I'd like to say thank you for all the uh, uh, prayers and and, uh, thoughts about Daddy. He is in the hospital currently. He's going to be doing some MRI testing today. And hopefully they'll be able to uh, become a little more aware of what's going on with him. But he's doing well. He's uh, giving the nurses a fit, so he's doing good. (laughs) Starting here with verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they wondered, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man that they had healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is manifest to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. But in in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. For all men, praise God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old.
1: Thank you, Jason. Let me remind the church family, thank you, Jason, for that update on your dad, to continue to be in prayer for Klein, but also to be in prayer for Jane Stroud. I was able to visit with Jane yesterday at Duke, uh, Barbara Green and I, and um, found her in much better spirits than on Friday. But she remains in a very serious situation there, uh, health situation at Duke. And uh, please be in prayer for Jane and Charles and the family at this time. And um, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence with us this morning. As we gather as your people, we have so much to thank you for. We thank you most of all for your son, Jesus Christ in whose name we gather, whose name we sing and preach and read. We thank you for the gift of Christian fellowship and the opportunity to have that before and after service, the opportunity to worship freely and openly. We're grateful this morning for all the men and women who have some given the ultimate price, but Lord, many who still defend our great nation today. And Father, we pray for it's for our nation's leaders, From the top down, Lord, we pray that they would look to you, trust you, and follow you. Father, our hearts are heavy today towards those within our congregation that are going through illness. Father, we pray for Klein, Catherine. We lift them up to you. We pray for your healing touch. We pray for doctors and nurses that are ministering to Klein. We pray for Jane Stroud and Charles there in Duke. We pray for your healing touch on Jane. We thank you for GH and his safe return back from Duke this last week and for how things have progressed there. Lord, we know of many other needs within our congregation and Father, we are mindful of those today and we lift them up to you. God, we do pray now that you would speak to us in ways that we need to be spoken to, challenge us, convict us, and when we leave here today, may there something be said or done through a song, through your word, through a spoken word from the sermon that would lead us to be closer in our walk with you. Teach us more, Lord, about what it means to love you with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. Father, take the words of my mouth and use them this day. Father, Lord, may they be pleasing to you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. The last several weeks this summer, we have been in a sermon series called Empowered, and we're talking about ordinary men and women who, when filled with the Holy Spirit, go forth to speak and proclaim the name of Jesus boldly, both through their words and their actions. Just a few weeks ago, we looked in chapter three of Peter and John healing the man that had been lying at the, the gate called Beautiful there at the temple in Jerusalem, and as they walked by him, he would often ring his tan, wring his can and, and would beg for, beg for any alms, any gifts, and Peter and John said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus, stand and walk. The religious leaders didn't know what to do about Peter and John, they were upset. Not only they dealt with, with, uh, with Jesus Christ, we learn of in the gospels and how the religious leaders uh, were at odds with Christ and him proclaiming to be the son of God, which was blasphemous. It led Christ to the cross. And then with the resurrection and, the, and, and later Pentecost with the Holy Spirit coming down, the religious leaders are in a quandary right now. They tried to stop Christ, they thought with his death that that would silence things, it did not. And then they, they now have Peter and John. They now have, they, first they had 120 and now they have thousands that have responded to the good news of salvation in the name of Christ alone, as we learn later in Acts chapter four. And today, we're moving on. Uh, We uh, talked last week about how uh, they were, uh, Peter and John was standing again before the leaders and he said, let it be known to all of you and to all of the people of Israel, but by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands before you in good health. They said exactly opposite from what the religious leaders of the day wanted to hear from them. It would have been easy for them just to kind of back off a little bit and say, all right, guys, this got Jesus crucified. We, didn't, we need to just back off a little bit. And maybe we can go about this, you know, we would say today a little more politically correct. That was not the answer that Peter and John had, but they boldly proclaimed right before the same people that put Christ to death that they knew could also put them to death. They had just put them in jail the night before. They boldly proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ. We pick up at verse 13 today and it reminds us that they were uneducated, untrained, that they were common men. Uh, now they each had education in, in Jewish law, but uh, they were not the Sanhedrin. So according to the Sanhedrin, they were uneducated and untrained men. In verse 14, and thank you Jason for reading, I just wanna kinda of go back through this. In verse 14 of chapter four it says, and seeing." Um, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them. And I just want to pause there and say the word anastosis, and I may be mispronouncing that in the Greek. Resurrection means to stand, both physically. Uh, You stand on your two feet if you have been resurrected from the dead. But I think it's interesting that that word, the word for resurrection means to stand, because we see Peter and John not only standing physically, but also standing up for their Lord as well. Verse 15, when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another. You know, we crucified Jesus, what do we do with these men? Verse 16, saying, what shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. So they knew they they couldn't say that this didn't happen. There were too many that witnessed it. In verse 17, but so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in his name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded or they ordered them not to speak The Greek word there is utter. Don't even speak about Christ or teach at all the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. I love that last verse. I think of my favorite Old Testament prophet Jeremiah in chapter 20, verse nine, when he was at his wit's end. All these different things had, had kept happening to Jeremiah and there in Jeremiah 29, he said, the word of God is in me like a consuming fire, shut up in my bones, I'm weary of holding it in and indeed, I cannot. I can't help but think of that verse in relationship to Peter and John and what they had went through with Christ, with the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost. They were ready to preach and teach the bold, unashamed message of Jesus Christ and salvation through him alone, and nothing was going to stop them. And that's exactly what we see here happening today in Acts chapter 4. It's interesting... The leaders were saying to themselves, you know, we wish you guys would just go away. You know, they had Christ, they dealt with Christ, they, they crucified Christ, now we've got Peter and John. And the problem, again, was they were preaching in Jesus Christ, the resurrection of the dead. They had eliminated Jesus, again, but his influence was still with them and was not only with them, but was continuing to spread. So the leaders have a problem. The Sanhedrin solutions, what would they do? All they were trying, I mean, excuse me, after all, they were trying two guys for a benefit done to a sick man. They couldn't argue with this. They had a problem that Peter and John, again, were preaching in Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. They couldn't do a lot because of their new agreement with Rome. They simply but yet forcefully told them to stop teaching and preaching in the name of Jesus or you will have to answer to us. And after being told not to speak or preach anymore in the name of Jesus, the disciples responded and they responded by disobeying the state. The title for today's sermon is Civil Disobedience. And it was uncomfortable, I have to be honest with you, it was uncomfortable for me to write that down as the sermon title for today. And let me ask the question, is civil disobedience ever justified? Is it morally permissible for a Christian to disobey the civil government? And if so, then under what circumstances? Again, this is an area, I quoted this week, With social media and the email that went out, I said this is an area in which we must be extremely careful. We tend to rebel easily when we often should, more often submit. There's something I think in all of us, I know as a kid sometimes, for those of you that are parents, you know that there's something in children sometimes that just for no reason, there's just something in us that likes to rebel, it's in our nature. We we learn of that when we read the scriptures. Um, But more often, we're led to rebel when we should easily submit. After all, we remember certain scriptures that command us to obey those in authority. And this morning, I'm gonna go quickly through some slides that you're gonna see, and I hope you may, if you are interested in this further and you wanna jot these down and and look at them later, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, But I wanna try to pack a lot in here in just a few minutes. But we have numerous scriptural examples of how we should obey civil authority. Matthew 22 and Mark 12 and Luke 20, we have Jesus giving... um, sharing these stories. And in each of these stories in the New Testament, he says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God, the things that are God. Words from Jesus. It was during the reign of Nero that the apostle Paul wrote to the epistles, to the, the epistle to the Romans. While one might expect him to encourage the Christians in Rome to rise up against their oppressive ruler in chapter 13, we find this instead. Romans 13 This is a summary of verses one through eight. Paul wrote, let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And then later he says, render tax to whom tax is due. Paul also said in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority in order that they may lead a tranquil life, a quiet life in all godliness. Titus 3, 1 reminds us, remember them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, and to be obedient. Peter reminds us as well, and we could list numerous scriptures, but this will be the last one this morning. Peter reminds us, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors sent by him, for such is the will of God. So we see and know many of you have heard these scriptures before growing up and and, and know that there is a command from God for us to obey those who have been placed in authority over us let's also think for a moment, if you will, with me, and look at a few other scriptures this morning, biblical examples of civil disobedience. They are there. In Exodus 1, we have the Egyptian pharaoh that gave the clear command um, to two Hebrew midwives that they were to kill all male Jewish babies. An extreme patriot would have carried out the government's order, yet the Bible says that the midwives disobeyed Pharaoh and feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live, in Exodus 1, 17. The Bible goes on to say that the midwives lied to Pharaoh about why they were letting the children live, yet even though they lied and disobeyed their government, we learn in, later in Exodus 1, verse 20 and 21, it says, God was good to the midwives and all the people multiplied and became very mighty because the midwives feared God and he established households for them. So not only here, but we also know of in Joshua 2, Rahab directly obeying a command from the king of Jericho to produce the Israelite spies. You remember that story? We know of another story in the book of 1 Samuel. He records a command given by Saul during a military campaign that no one could eat until Saul had won his battle with the Philistines. However, Saul's son, Jonathan, did not hear this command and he fulfilled himself with some honey. If you remember the story in the Old Testament, and uh, when Saul found out about it, he ordered his son to die. However, the people resisted Saul and his command and saved Jonathan from being put to death, 1 Samuel chapter 14. There's another example in 1 Kings 18. Um, uh, found uh, the chapter briefly, excuse me, introduces a man named Obadiah who feared the Lord greatly. And when Queen, when Queen Jezebel was killing God's prophet, she was the, one of the most wicked people in the Old Testament. Um, Obadiah took a 100 of them and hid them far away so that they could live. Such an act is in clear defiance of the ruling authority's wishes. We could go on and on. We know of Daniel records a number of civil disobedient examples that relate to prayer. In the New Testament, Matthew chapter two, right after Jesus was born, verses 13 through 15, an angel telling Joseph in a dream to take Jesus and Mary to Egypt and to flee the authorities. And we see from our text uh, last week in Acts, and also again today, where Peter and John are boldly standing and proclaiming in the name of Jesus when they were told not to do that. In Acts five, uh, later in Acts five twenty-nine. It is Luke writes in Peter and John saying, we must obey God rather than men. So we've looked at examples this morning of civil obedience and we see examples in scripture of civil disobedience. You may be thinking this morning uh, and may can recall immediately sometimes throughout history when we have seen people act in ways that are just, in ways that were not permissible uh, to our government. First of all, let me think of something outside of the United States. We can't help but think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you remember the German, um, the German pastor and theologian who stood against Hit- Hitler's Nazi dictatorship, that was not permissible according to the law. Candy referenced earlier in her prayer, Susan B. Anthony was arrested for illegally voting in the United States House of Representative elections in, ni- in 1872 in order to protect female disenfranchisement. It was arguably during the abolitionist movement of the civil disobedience first denied itself. Uh, Henry Ford refused to pay federal taxes in protest of both slavery and the Mexican war. This action directly inspired his work that you know civil disobedience. We know of Dr. Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and other activists in the American civil rights movements of the 50s and the 60s used civil disobedience techniques. Among the most notable civil disobedience events in the U.S. occurred when Rosa Parks refused to move on the bus when a white man had done the same, excuse me, when a white man had tried to take her seat. Although 15-year-old Claudette Colvin, who's a name that we don't know too well, had done the same thing nine months earlier. Parks' actions led directly to the Montgomery bus boycott. These forms of civil disobedience were effective in promoting the eventual passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. One that I just want to throw in here that I thought was somewhat comical, some of you may remember this from just a couple of years ago, but in April the 15th, 2015, which that may have been tax day in 2015, I don't know, a pilot landed a one-man ultralight gyrocopter. Do you guys remember this? On the east, excuse me, on the west lawn of the U.S. Capitol building in a protest against the influence of money in politics. I don't know if you remember that. The pilot was Doug Hughes, who was a mailman, carried 535 letters, one for every member of Congress. He was arrested after landing and sentenced to 120 days in prison. Now, some of you are saying, all right, Keith, where should should this leave us? We've looked at scriptures about obeying the state. You looked at scriptures about uh, disobeying the state. We've looked at historical examples. I want to share with you four options this morning that um, I came across this week by James Montgomery Boyce. The first one is the monastic option. And the monastic option would say, God alone with the authority of Caesar denied. These would be examples of these people would be those that shut themselves off from society that go to live on top of a mountain or out in the woods or in a desert. Who pay no taxes, who have no recollection, no government can claim them in a sense as being a member of their, of their country. They just kind of go off and, and, uh, and, and, again, live that monastic life. They worship God, they, they read and, and, and try to understand the scriptures, and they're just, they're kind of off the map, if you will. There's the monastic option. There's the secular option, which would say, Caesar alone with the authority of God denied. Caesar alone with the authority of God denied. This option pushes God, not the state, out of the picture. This is the prevailing option of our day. Today secularism does not prohibit us from practicing religion privately, but we are not supposed to bring it out of the reservation. Don't bring it out in the open. Caesar is the only thing that matters in this secular option. The third one would be the cowardly option. This is the authority of Caesar and God, but with Caesar in the dominant position. The great example of this is Pilate in in the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 10 through 12. Pilate said to him, you do not speak to me, excuse me, you do not speak to me. Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and I have the authority to crucify you? Pilate speaking to Jesus. And Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. And as a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. But the Jews cried out saying, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. The last option would be the biblical option. This option is God, but with God in the dominant position. This means that the state has legitimate authority, but this does not mean that the state is autonomous. Human beings are giving a certain sense of authority, church, elders, parents, employers, many kinds of authority, but none is independent of God. All authority that has been given to someone or to some group of people comes from God. Hence, those who hold authority are responsible to God, who is the ultimate authority. This is why we have to be God whenever the two conflict. I've went through a lot of information really quick. I need to get to preaching, right? Um, We've talked about scriptures where we know we should obey the government. We've talked about scriptures where people throughout the Old Testament, and we see even in the New, disobeyed the current laws that they were asked to obey. We see here today in today's text, Acts chapter four, where Peter and John were clearly told to stop preaching and stop teaching in the name of Jesus. And if you remember, in Acts four, verse 20, Peter and John both said, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. So what do we do with this? How do we unpack this? Let me just mention a few things as I begin to conclude about how to process this. Number one, Christians should resist a government that commands or compels evil and should work nonviolently with the laws of the land to change a government that permits evil. You and I, we may think that our voice is not heard and that we can't do a lot, but we, we must work within the laws that we currently have to bring about change if we think that is needed. Civil disobedience is permitted when the government's laws or commands are in direct violation of God's laws and commands. If a Christian disobeys an evil government, unless he can flee from the government, he should accept the government's punishment for his actions. We see that throughout our history. We know that Martin Luther King Jr. spent time in jail. We know that others throughout history that have knowingly for a higher cause disobeyed the government They should have to face the punishment for their actions if they have disobeyed the government. Christians are certainly permitted to work to install new government leaders within the laws that have been established. And we see this throughout the years as well, where the people begin to, to take action and begin to pursue different forms of leadership. Lastly, that I want to mention 1 Timothy 2 1 and 2. Christians are commanded to pray for their leaders and for God to intervene in his time to change any ungodly path that our leaders may be pursuing. First Timothy two, one and two says, first of all, then I urge you that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. Again, for kings and for all who were in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. We talked this morning about two kingdoms. We talked about God's kingdom and we've talked about the states. We know that God's kingdom is eternal. Whose kingdom do you belong and are you most loyal to this day? What if Peter and John would have said here in Acts 4 when they were questioned and commanded not to speak, when they were ordered not to speak or teach anymore in the name of Jesus? What if they would have said, what if they would have said, okay, you don't want us to do this, we'll stop. How would things be different today? Would you and I be here? Would we have what we have in front of us, the word of God today? Acts 4, verses 19 and 20. Again, Luke writes, whether it is right of of Peter and John of what they said, they wrote, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking of what we have seen and heard. I can't help think of what Paul also wrote In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16, he wrote, For I preach the gospel, and I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion, for woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. I think most of us in this room, hopefully all of us, are law abiding citizens here this morning. Um, I'm not aware of of the law looking for anyone at our doors when we leave today. But I think and hope. that you and I, that the scriptures that we've read, that what I have said this morning can lead us to think in some ways maybe that we haven't thought previously. Um, Sometimes we maybe follow everything that our government tells us to do, just hand and foot. This is what they said to do, so I have to do it. But I think there are times, and those times should be very rare, and please hear me say that. Those times should be very rare when we have to stand up against our government and say this is not right and this is not just. As people who follow the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone, sometimes this puts us at odds. Sometimes this can be conflictual and it can be difficult and it can get messy. But nevertheless, it is my conviction, and I think yours as well, that we must follow the commands of scripture, that we must follow our Lord Jesus Christ. It is in his name, and his alone, which we have our salvation. It is his name in which we gather for worship. It is in his name which we give out food in our food pantry. It is in his name that we serve in many ways, in our church, through our, in, our, in our local community, in our country, and around the world. Will you join me in prayer? Father, I thank you for the scriptures that have been read this morning. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, help us to evaluate where we are, Lord, first of all, in our relationship with you. And Lord, ask ourselves, do we follow laws that are given us blindly? Or Lord, do we think about how these laws relate with and compare with your written word? Father, give us conviction, give us boldness, give us the courage that Peter and John had as they stood before religious leaders, knowing that their life was at stake and proclaiming authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, give us that courage this day. And Father, help us to stand in a world that desperately needs to hear of your love and of your saving grace. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in that name that is above all names, I would invite you to do that today. If you're here today and desire church membership or desire to pray at the altar, uh, the altar is open. And I'd love to receive you, love to, to pray with you if that would be a need that you would have today. Let's stand and sing together. so glad that you're here this morning be sure we've had a few guests with us today and we're glad that you're here be sure to speak to someone near you this morning especially if you do not know them and i wish each of you a happy fourth i know some of you will be traveling some of you just returned from traveling and that so goes our summer this summer so uh, we pray that you would be blessed with a wonderful week and some time to relax and do some things with family this week uh, but we again are glad that you're here today and uh, look forward to seeing you next sunday I'm going will turn it over to candy